as you see, the man to my right is one of the OGs of the podcast. But before we talk, I don't know how if he knows about this or not, but I got to do it anyway. But folks, hit the end. Shout out to the great folks at Cryer Media, because why? That is where you can find YWC, me, along with 50 other personalities, all on Cryer Media. But today, Big Rat, holy smokes, we got a lot to talk about. Your team's made some moves. My team's, well, we brought some guys back. We lost someone. But I want to talk about the one thing that I know you were getting into it on Twitter today. I've been getting into it on the DMs, because they weren't happy about what I said last week. But what do you think about this whole New York Jets stuff? Yeah, I was uh, when you say I was getting into it today. Into it today, I was literally getting into it like, like two minutes before I logged on. Like literally, was in the process of writing a tweet as I decided to join the show. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's fascinating. So, <clears throat> very clearly, it seems like everyone's acting like the Rogers Aaron Rodgers to the Jets is all but a formality. That he just wants them to sign his friends, Mercedes Lewis, Randall Cobb. Alan Lazard, who already signed for four years, 44 million, 22 guaranteed. Got more guaranteed than Jacoby Myers did and got an extra year. I thought yeah. Jacoby Myers was the better player, but uh, teach their own. And and uh, Mercedes Lewis, Randall, and Odo Beckham is the other one rumored. And so everyone's acting like, okay, we all know Rodgers is going to the Jets. We're just waiting for his friends to get signed, and then they'll finalize the trade. But it is interesting that it's just weird that this is – dragging on the way it is because it's kind of, I mean, it is somewhat hurting the Jets. I know Brian Costello, who writes for the New York Post, he said, well, it might not necessarily hurt them because they're operating that he's coming and they can use the cap numbers from that point forward. But Rich Samini yesterday was saying the uncertainty of what their cap numbers will be because of whether or not Rogers is going to take a pay cut, whether or not they're going to spread his salary cap to the next year or something like that. The uncertainties of that um, make it harder to chase a safety in free agency, to chase a tight end in free agency, to chase a guard in free agency. And yes, I know they might not need a tight end. I'm just talking general positions. Yeah. So the the lack of decision, I think, it doesn't help the Jets. Like it either hurts the Jets or it does nothing. But I can't see a world where like this uncertainty for the past two days helps the Jets at all in any pursuit of other free agents. Or Rogers at all. So, like, and I saw Connor Hughes, uh, who writes for I think SNY, but he's for both teams. Yeah, for the Jets and the Giants, and he used to he used to write for the Athletic, and I think now he does SNY. Maybe he stole some stuff at the Athletic. I don't know. But Connor Hughes was saying some Jets players are kind of annoyed at Rogers um, because they kind of to them kind of signals that he's not really all in. He doesn't like that he's kind of fucking around with them, and as a result, I feel like those. I feel like um, Rodgers, you know, I'm sure Rodgers is communicating with the people that matter on the Jets. Like Garrett Wilson is on Twitter acting like it's already done. So maybe Rodgers has spoken to him. Maybe Rodgers has spoken to Brees Hall. Maybe Rodgers has spoken to C.J. Mosley. Like all the power brokers of the Jets. Sauce. Yeah, Sauce. um, Quinn and Williams. But it's a 53-man roster. Like he's not talking to everyone. So if you're like, you know, some random cornerback or some random – running back or some random tight end and you see all the shit that's going on according to connor hughes you're kind of annoyed and that doesn't help the relationship with rogers going forward so all these games like this 
Rodgers waiting for them to sign his friends. Apparently there's a rumor that Rodgers just wants to stick it to the Packers because the Packers can't really sign free agents until Rodgers is off the roster, off their cap sheet. So all this stuff I just think is awkward. It's weird. It's probably going to happen, but it's kind of just weird and awkward. And I don't think it's healthy for the Jets that Rodgers is joining them in this fashion. That's why last week I said what I said. Jared and I obviously were on here. I don't know if you listened to the episode or not, but Jared was supposed to be the surprise because he, as soon as Daniel Jones came on, he was like, you got to get me on. Like, I got to talk about this. So I was like, all right, cool. And I'm going to give Joe Shane his flowers in a little bit. But when I said to him that it hurts the development of the Jets, I look at it like I don't view this Jets team as like the 2012 Denver Broncos going into the year, like the Buccaneers three years ago. This is a team that hasn't won a pl- their last playoff game win was the Bart Scott can't wait game, and that was 12 years ago. This is a team that I know I always say there's always an expression of football. Everything comes back to the Patriots, but I don't think the Jets are in this situation if Zach Wilson holds some accountability for his actions in that 10-3 to loss where he said, no, it's not on me, because that's where everything started to go downhill. Zach Wilson comes out and says, you know what? I had a bad game. I played like shit. We lost because of it. They're not in this situation right now. Um, something else I've also brought up a good point of, because you've got me on this, I'm not sold on Brees for 2023 just because of the ACL. I know everyone looks like, Jets fans in particular, can look at it like, oh, you know, Adrian Peterson did this. But, like, look at Saquon Barkley. He tore his week two of 2020. 2021, he wasn't the same. So I'm already looking at 24 for guys like him. And for the Broncos' perspective, Javante Williams. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But the Jets, for all we know, hey, they can go around and surprise it, but I will stand by my take of this, that they are not the same team until they come into Foxborough or the Patriots go to MetLife and beat the team they have not beaten in what will be eight years. That's just my two cents on it. I know it's a very homerish bias, but look. Look at what you guys did this year. Josh Allen had your number for all those years. What do you do this year? You go in. You go into their stadium, nearly beat them twice. And then beat and, them at home. And yeah. you beat them at home. That's We talked about that all this time. You were on here the day after that happened. So that's my view with the Jets where I'm like, if they get them, great. But I look at this as you're trying to do this in the short term, but long term potentially killing the future of your team. And I really don't know how that helps them in hand. That that That's just how I view it. It could, it, For all we know, hey, if they go out there and win a chip, none of it matters. But then again, haven't made the playoffs since 2011, haven't won a playoff game since 2011, haven't won a championship since 1969. That's all I got to say. Yeah, the Brees, the Brees, because I'm trying to learn from my mistakes, like I'm sure all of us are. Yeah. In fantasy leagues this past year, Saquon Barkley was still going like in the second round or something. And I was like pulling my hair out of my head. I was like, hold on. He was the rookie of the year in 2018. He was awesome. He was bad and injury riddled in 2019. Yeah. 2020, he didn't play. Was ACL in like week two. Yeah. Then 2021, he either didn't play or when he did play, he wasn't very good. And he, there was a great tweet that uh, someone, I think it was Aiden Winks, who writes for Underdog in the 2021 season, he had a lower yards per carry than the other Giants running backs, which was like Devontae Booker and it wasn't Matt Breida, it was someone else. It was like Barkley, Devontae Booker, and a third running back. And Barkley had the lowest yards per carry of all three of them. That's on the same bad offense, the same bad offensive line, Joe Judds. Danny Dimes being hurt, Mike Glenn, and all that shit with the 2021 Jake Fromm. Yeah, it applies to the other two running backs as well. And they had a higher yards per carry than Saquon did. So I was like pulling my hair out of my head. I was like, why is Saquon going high in fantasy drafts? This is ridiculous. I don't buy this at all. He's been bad for like three years. Don't do it. Saquon was awesome. 
the very first game of the season against the Titans. He had 200 yards, got the game-winning two-point conversion at the end of the fourth quarter. I actually, I never do, I never take an L in football in week one. Usually it's like you need time, you know, everyone can have one good game. You need to get to the middle of the season before you take an L on your season predictions. And after that game, I actually texted my brother, who I was arguing about with this about the time, um, I literally texted him. I was wrong. I already admit that <laughs> one week into the season because Saquon just looked so explosive in that game. And it was clear to me, okay, yeah, when a running back tears their ACL, the next year they might not be the same, but the year after they can return to form. And so, yeah, with Brees, look, Brees is awesome. I, I love Brees Hall in college. I was very upset when the Jets took him. I'm not saying anything about him as a player. I know he's awesome. But Saquon Barkley was the number two overall pick in the draft. Saquon Barkley was the best running back prospect in the last 15 years. And Saquon Barkley was bad the year after he came back from his ACL. So penciling Brees Hall in for a 1,200-yard season next year, I do not think is guaranteed. Yeah, that's that's just where I'm coming from. Like He still may have like a six, seven, 800-yard season, but it's not crazy to come out here and say he's going to be the same Brees Hall that we saw all those first six weeks of the year where he was just running through offenses. That's the other thing, too, I like to say is that their season wasn't the same after he got hurt. Like That's the most non-loss devastated i've seen danny on twitter since anything else yeah Um, because it was him and vera tucker were both out for the season on the same day and all jets fans and they were were like five and one at the time or five and two and jets fans were like super depressed and they also got the huge win against the packers they've they really beat some teams that they look they got some wins that they you know what you gotta get um and then before we get to anything else with your team I got to say this quickly. Look, we've both been cynics of Daniel Jones and the Giants. He got his payday. We get the podcast more often. It's great for them. It's great for the brand. That's why I say connection. It's great for the brand. More more of those games. Maybe against your Dolphins or my Patriots this year. We'll see. Um, But I want to give Joe Shane his flowers for the trade that he did today. Going out there and getting Darren Waller. He always said big game hunting. And I was like, okay, look, he just signed a bunch of guys for depth. Brought back Sterling Shepard, Matt Breida. I like the Bobby Orique signing from the Indianapolis Colts at linebacker. That's going to get them some help depth. Um, another signing that they did that I feel like kind of went under the radar was them getting Nunes Roaches from the Bucks for twelve million for three years. Uh, for yeah, three years, twelve million. Uh, very good run st- run stuffing uh, defensive tackle who can go in behind Dexter Lawrence. But the Darren Waller trade just to go out there. I know some people are cynical about him just because of his health and the fact that last year he had a bad year with Vegas. One thing I want to point out, and this is something that Patriot fans pointed out. Brian Dayball was the Patriots tight end coach in the Rob Gronkowski, Martellus Bennett days, and those two are good. So if anyone wondering, oh, how's Darren Waller going to be? If he stays healthy, he's going to be a top three tight end in the NFL again. And he, uh, it was so cheap to get him. Like it's, it's kind of crazy. And I know we're going to get to this, so I don't want to spoil it. But like Jalen Ramsey going for a third, yeah. Stephon Gilmore going for a fifth. It's like this seems like a market inefficiency that just because these players are approaching thirty. Mm-hmm. That they're basically worth nothing. They're worth, like Stefan Gilmore got traded for a conditional fifth round pick, and I know he's an older cornerback, and cornerbacks don't age very well. Same thing with Ramsey, but he can still play at a high level. I, yeah, like D- Darius Slay and James Bradbury, like many people thought were the best cornerback tandem in football last year, and Darius Slay is thirty two years old, and. James Bradbury, who's younger than that, admittedly, but still, James Bradbury is 29 years old, and he was a second-team All-Pro last year. A 32-year-old and a 29-year-old cornerback started in the Super Bowl together. And now we're just acting like Gilmore and Ramsey are, like, scrubs that have, like, a year left before they fall off a cliff. I just don't buy that. So, But getting back to the point on the Giants, much like we talked about with Saquon, learning from your mistakes – 
the biggest problem with the Giants last year was they matched up terribly against the Eagles. They got destroyed by the Eagles all three times. Well, all two times they played them. Obviously, Week 18 was that weird game where even though they didn't play any of their starters, they were competitive on the road while the Eagles like were trying to secure the one seed. But separate from that game, the playoff game and the game in their building earlier in the season, I think like Week 12, they got destroyed yep. both times. And 48 to 22 or something like that, I think. And I think uh, Connor Hughes, to bring him up again, I was watching one of his uh, video segments on Rodgers. And in the segment, they also asked him about the Bobby Okariki signing. And he said, look, in that playoff game, their linebackers that they were relying on weren't even on the team in training camp. It was Jared Davis and Jalen Smith um, were the two guys that were really relying on them at linebacker. And they got absolutely destroyed in the run game. And so I feel like signing Bobby Okariki, you're learning from your mistakes. Signing Nunez Roches to help with the run defense, you're learning from your mistakes. You realize what was hurting you, and you're improving upon that. Much like how Darren Waller, like everyone wants them to get a receiver, and I understand, although I do like Wandale Robinson. And Isaiah Hodgins, I know he's not a name, but he did play well in that role. He's, I think he scored a touchdown in like six straight games or something like that. He also got one in the playoff game against Minnesota. Yeah, so he – he, he is like, a, and like I mean, I like he is like a good player. And Sterling Sterling Shepard, I've had Sterling Shepard on my fantasy team for a few years now, and I talk to Jared about this all the time. He's a great player. He just is made of glass. It's like really sad. Like yeah. the last two years, he's just been destroyed with injury. But as a fantasy owner of Sterling Shepard, go look at his game logs from like 2020. He was actually like a very very good receiver when he was healthy. Like he was the kind of receiver that you thought like maybe could be a threat to get you a 100 yard game at any point because he can play all three positions. He's good in the slot. He's a very good route runner. Route runner. He's very reliable on third downs. Like again, he's it's the last two years he basically could not stay on the field at all. So I, I understand Giants fans who think that like I'm overrating his impact. That's fine. But getting Darren when you get Darren Waller, you don't need to pay attention as much to those other things because Waller can be your de facto number one option. Much like how I've been like everyone reacted to the Chiefs wide receiver room, and I, so did I after they lost Tyree Kill. The receiver sucked. The receiver sucked. The receiver sucked. They have Kelsey. They have a better pass-catching option than most of football, if not all of football. My argument against Patriots fans for a decade when they constantly pointed out that Brady didn't have receiver help in the 2010s, but he had the greatest tight end of all time. In my opinion, the greatest receiving option in football. I would rather have Rob Gronkowski in his prime than Demarius Thomas or Jordy Nelson or any of these other guys that Rodgers and Peyton had at that time. Similarly, if Waller can be a stud, 1,000-yard receiving tight end, if he can stay healthy, um, this is going to be really impactful. The only thing I'll say about Waller is that his fantasy numbers I've noticed have been very inconsistent. Like he'll have one week where I'll have like a 20 point week. And then the next week he'll have like four or five points. So for that perspective as well, because for everyone right now going, Oh, but it's, it doesn't impact him on the field. It, it literally fantasy football, like the NFL and everyone realizes everything that you do, you should also consider fantasy football because it will help you win your championship at the end of the day. The one thing I want to point out though, is just Robinson and Shepard. It's the same thing coming off ACLs. I want to wait and see how they are. But for giants fans right now, they're freaking out. There are a lot of options in the draft. And I actually, because I, actually, I messaged Jared today just saying, like, hey, congrats on getting Waller. Bellinger can go back to being a blocking role. Last year, they tried running Bellinger as a pass-catching tight end. Obviously, the freak injury against Jacksonville. But now, you can run a lot of two tight end sets. That's the thing that they're going to do. So, Mike Kafka is going to get creative. And like I said before, Brian Dayball coached tight ends. Most specifically, Rob Gronkowski from 20, I think it was 2015 to 17 or 2016 to 2018. So, that's just one of those things to consider where it's like, you're giving Dave all stuff to work with to where, you know what, hey, even if you end up with, like, a 
if, even if the Giants go first round receiver, which very well could, you could go for a Jordan Addison, you could go for a Zay Flowers, you can even if you get JSN, say if he's still there by the time the Giants are picking or if the Giants want to move up, you have the tools and abilities to do that to where if you have a rookie wide receiver one and a good, very good tight end one, you're pretty much set. And I definitely think that <clears throat> I, I I do think they're set. And, and when it comes to Waller and fantasy, um, the one piece of advice I'll give to everyone who's concerned, oh, his numbers dropped the last two years. That is true. He was injured both years. All those are reasonable concerns. Waller was never going to get the same amount of targets when Devontae Adams was got put into the offense. On this Giants team, as it currently stands, we'll see how the draft goes. But as it currently stands, he projects to be the number one option. He projects to get like nine targets a game. So I do think if you could trust him to stay healthy, he will have closer to, I think, his 2019 season than he did in his 2022 season. But I know I know we have a lot to get to. Just wanted to mention that. Speaking of a lot to get to, the Miami Dolphins decided oh. to go out there, make some moves, obviously bringing in Jalen Ramsey, re-signing Raheem Morris. Um, Mostert. Mostert, excuse me, uh, Raheem Morris, that is the Rams defensive coordinator. Um, Tua getting his fifth-year option, nice little birthday gift for you, which I know I messaged you on your personal, but I'm going to say it right now, folks, it was Big Rat's birthday the other day, so if you want to wish him a happy birthday, leave him a comment. Um, with Miami this year, I know obviously last year was, look, Tua had his injuries, Tua had his concussions, but for this year, when you look at a team that went 9-8 and eight last year, where do you like? I don't want to ask for because even, even I'm going to go on a side tangent right now. So Monday nights I play hockey. That's me. It's Canadian. That's what I do. I got asked by people last night who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl, and I looked at them saying like it's March. I don't want to go out there saying that. Like I, I I can think of teams that can be there. And where I want to go with this is, is it win now or bust, or is it this year get in there, make noise, and potentially make a run at a divisional game or a conference championship game? Yeah, it's um, I thought about this a lot because the Dolphins have not won a playoff game in 22 years. They had the third, I think it's third. It's either the second or the third longest drought in the NFL. Uh, one, I believe, yeah, one one is the Lions. I'm pretty sure. Um, and then the Dolphins are either second or their third on the list of longest without a playoff win. Um, so yeah, very clearly, that's the standard for this year. Second, okay. So, for sure, the playoff win is expected because last year was kind of like the last year was kind of like the reward for the tank for Tua 2019 build that started 2019, 2020. They went 10 and six and missed the playoffs back when there were 16 games with a seventh playoff spot, and they still missed the playoffs at 10 and six. You know how fucking rare that is? Like, that's probably it's rare in NFL history that a 10 and 16 missed the playoffs. For a 10 and 16 to miss the playoffs in a seven playoff spots allowed season, like they did in 2020, like if I know that format doesn't exist anymore because now we have 17 games, but if that format existed beyond just 2020, you might never see that happen again for like 20 years. Like it's very rare. Like how the hell does a 10 and 16 miss a 17 uh, on a seven game, pl seven playoff team spot? Like this year they were nine and eight and they made it. Last year they were nine and eight and didn't make it. Um, so last year was kind of like the reward for that build. They finally made the playoffs. They finally were competitive in a playoff game. They had not been competitive in a playoff game since 2000. I was there for the 2008 playoff game against the Ravens with Chad Pennington when they got destroyed at home. The 2016 game with Matt Moore against the Steelers where their secondary got absolutely torched 
like instantly in the game, which is what made that game so hard to watch. They gave up two touchdown drives right away. They were consistently down by like 10, 14, 17 points the whole game. So you never even really – you never got teased. Like the Seahawks got blown out by the Niners last year, but at least they had they were leading at halftime. At least they had that, you know, that, hmm, maybe we can pull off the upset kind of thing. We never had that. So for them to be competitive in that Bills game, to almost win it, that was a really encouraging sign. With Skylar Thompson at quarterback, nonetheless. That's a sign that – like if you know anything about me on this show over the years, I tend to think people generally overrate quarterbacks and people – which is like, I guess, kind of goes into the Jets thing. But like, people generally give too much credit to the quarterback. They, this notion that the quarterback is the most important position in football is like, yes, it is for sure. But this notion that a quarterback can single handedly carry a bad roster is just not true. What often ends up happening is that quarterback looks worse than he actually is and gets criticized for it. Similarly, like the Eagles with Carson Wentz in that 2017 season, Nick Foles in the Super Bowl, Jalen Hurts just recently, it's like, when the roster is perfect on offense, I don't think the quarterback has to be that good to look good. And look, Jalen Hurts is probably better than those guys. But what I'm trying to say is the Nick Foles thing was proof. If you have a great offensive roster, the bar's not that high for the quarterback. You look at San Francisco. Have, yeah, you don't have to be that good to succeed on some teams. And I think we're doing a better job now of not overrating quarterbacks on those teams. Like recognizing, yeah, like you can have a middling quarterback and an excellent offensive roster, and that could probably get you to a Super Bowl, as we've seen over the last 10 years. So, yeah, I generally think people overrate quarterbacks. Um, so for them, with Skyler, even though that's true, when you have a third-string quarterback like Skylar Thompson, for them to be as competitive as they were, it just kind of showed that the roster is strong. The roster is ready. The roster is playoff caliber. The defense, which played bad last year, like very bad. When I gave up on the Dolphins being a legitimate Super Bowl team was – the Lions Bears games in week like week seven and eight. Like the offense was excellent in those games. Both games were on the road, but the defense got absolutely torched. Every game on the road that year, the defense was awful. And I just thought, I don't know how you can have a defense survive in the playoffs against Patrick Mahomes, against Joe Burrow on the road if they're gonna play this bad away from Hard Rock Stadium. Uh but that, that defense in that playoff game made some plays. They picked off Josh Allen twice, they forced a fumble and got a touchdown. They, like, they showed something there. I think the D-line got better as the year went along. Um, so this is a long-winded way of saying, yes, I as a fan would probably accept, okay, you don't have to make the Super Bowl. You can just get me my first playoff win in 22 years, and I'll be happy, like what the Giants did last year. If I can just have that, I think I'll call that a success. But you look at the contracts on their books, and they really are kind of running out of time. Like Because Tua – Tua's fifth-year option next year is obviously not as burdensome as like a $40 million contract or a $45 or $50 million contract will be for all these quarterbacks that get extended. But I think you're giving him $8 million. So you're – even though, yes, like it might be easier to say, okay, win a playoff game, make some noise, get to the divisional round, and then like you have to get to the Super Bowl the next year. I don't know because – it's easier to build a stronger roster this year than it is next year because you're not paying Tua as much because some of these guys are younger. Like they're more likely to win a Super Bowl with a version of Terrar Marnstead that's one year younger. That's less likely to have the season ending injury in week two um, where he'll probably be more likely to have that injury next season. You know, Tyree Kill is 29. Next year he'll be 30. I have a better chance of his speed holding up, which if you saw that sprinting video he did on twitter it looks like his speed is holding up uh so because of because their best players are getting older 
in Teron Armstead and Tyreek Hill and Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey. That kind of tells you you need to get to the Super Bowl sooner rather than later. So while I would personally be happy with a playoff win, I definitely think them making the Super Bowl this year is on the table. And they have to they have to start thinking that way. Even though they're not ready for it, They the contracts kind of force their hand that way. I, I, I agree. It's very rational. It's very precise. Because like when I look at the AFC this year, there's only maybe three teams right now that I don't trust to win. Yeah. Three, and that's um that's Houston, that's Colts. Tennessee, and that's the Colts. Besides that, and everyone's saying, oh well the AFC West was bad last year. I'm not ready to write off Denver yet. I'm not. Yeah, no, neither am I. Not with Sean Payton. Not with Sean Payton. Vegas too. I I'm, I'm gonna say this. It got criticized. I like the Jimmy Garoppolo signing. Hey, I mean he's he's Maybe not that much worse than Carr, if worse at all, but he just can't stay healthy. But you're paying him half the money. You're, he's making like $22 million per year instead of $40 million per year. I think, even though I don't, I'm not sure if he's a better player, I think from a value perspective, I think you're getting more value out of the quarterback position now just because of the money. That The only concern for me still is their defense. I feel like they're going to be that team that if they win games, they're going to be winning a lot of like 42 to 36, like Big 12 shootouts. Big, even big, those have become Big 10 shootouts even. So just like games of those style, I could see them winning. Um, and then with the the AFC North, Pittsburgh's going to be tough all year. They're going to be an 8-9, eight, 9-8 nine, nine, eight football team. Yep. And the one team I want to talk about, because I feel like they're not going to be talked about enough, I don't want to see this man succeed just because we did off the field, but you can't write off the Cleveland Browns right now. Yeah. Like, for the most polar offseason, because they were the worst team in the division last year. Uh, Watson was awful. There's no other way to say it. He was awful. I think some people think he was average. Uh, look at the numbers. Like he really ranked like near Zach Wilson amongst most quarterback stats in the six games that he played. Um, I think because like because he had I'm like that played really really bad against the Steelers in that game. So I think that's like kind of like that kind of like left me with a sour taste in my mouth in that game. Folks, I'm not sure what's going on. We have a frozen. Okay, yes, he is uh, frozen at the moment. So if there was a bit of silence there, me just looking like it's because Big Rat's camera uh, has his feed has frozen up. So that's it for him at the moment. We will get him back. Uh, so stand by for technical difficulties as I now switch it to me. You're going to see me. Until he gets back and talking, you're going to see me. I'm just going to try doing this. Let's just try with the technical difficulties in the ways of the stream yard not sure what's going on happens is what it is um i for anyone saying like oh but why do you say that about the browns like look off the field i know what happened happened but you just don't want to see people that did scumbag stuff succeed that's just that's just me nothing not a knock against the browns not a knock against the team at all look cleveland's like that lovable underdog you want to root for you want to cheer for um but anyway, that's that's just the thing I was trying to say. I'm going to wait for Big Rat to get back to talk more about the last division in question because, look, the AFC this year, it's it's truly going to be a dogfight. Like I said, there are out of the 16 teams, there are 13 teams that make cases for being better or being competitive throughout the year. So if you're a fan of the AFC, buckle up. I know it's only March. Holy shit, that's the other thing too. It is March 15th right now. 
March 14th. It's going to be March 15th in three hours. It's 9 o'clock. Daylight savings time's got me effed up. So you know what? It is what it is. We're going to try to figure things out. We're going to get Big Rat back on the podcast soon. But before I get him back, it's going to take some time to talk about some stuff. I'm going to give Cryer Media a quick shout-out. I know I did it at the beginning, but I'm going to do it right now to fill some time. Find 50 reporters, 50-plus 50 reporters, and... Every single genre of topic. You want sports, you want politics, you want news, you want job skills. Shout out Ray Rout. Cryermedia.com, baby. It is where it is. But anyway, guys, he is back. We had some freezing, some technical difficulty issues, but he's back. Um, the thing I was going to say, and we were talking about, we can go back to it, is the AFC North, when obviously we're talking about Pittsburgh, but then with Cleveland, I basically think if you give them a proper offseason of work, if you give a defense that I think is still very underrated in this league, even though they have a monster back there, um... Cleveland's gonna be in that same Pittsburgh realm where I think they can go anywhere from seven and ten to nine and eight. They're gonna be, they're not gonna be your. I don't think Big Rat's gonna predict them to go three and eight again through the first eleven games. No, uh, no, I'm not. I'm very proud of that though. And uh, (laughs) I will, but yes, what I was trying to say, I don't know how much of this got through when I was being when I was freezing with my internet, but um, basically. And we lost him again, folks. And we lost him again. I don't know what happened. We're going to go back to Cryer Media, though. Like I said before, guys, 50-plus independent content creators making content. It's good. It's great. Click on the links. I even do some writing. I'm, they know I'm the football guy. They know I love football. But like I said earlier, I'm also a hockey guy. So if you want to follow me for hockey picks, if you want to follow me for hockey articles, I got to start doing more of those, to be honest. You know where to find us, CryerMedia.com. Everything is in the link in my link tree. And also, folks, if you want to bet, use the sports book in Canada that's endorsed by me. Bet 9-9. Great odds. Great, great, great selection of betting, casino games, all that fun stuff. Bet 9-9. on.bet99.ca. Must be 19 plus. It must be 18 plus to play, excuse me. Legal residences of Ontario only. I only say that because obviously with iGaming and everything, folks, you have to be in Ontario to do this. But Bet99, sportsbook I started using recently, it's great. It's got all the odds. Doesn't, it doesn't hassle you around. That's the thing. It does not hassle you around. And every single play is boosted depending on how much you play. So the more money you play with, the more money you're going to win. I know that sounds like basic one-on-one betting logic. But with Bet99, they will always boost your parlay or single play odds. So use that to your advantage, like I am tonight. I've got a three-team hockey parlay going. Will it win? I don't know. I made a video about it. Why? Because I'm that guy, and we can't bet football right now. And no, I'm not betting the XFL. CFL, however, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, but anyway, folks, like I said, we are dealing with some uh, rebooting issues, so Big Rat's going to be back in a little bit. Uh, for some reason, the internet does not want him to talk about the Cleveland Browns or the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's like the dog pound Andy McNamara and... Some Steeler fans. I, I haven't had a Steelers fan on here yet. That's something I got to do, though. Have basically come in and been like, ha, 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 we are going to hijack you. But while Big Rat's gone, I'm here to announce a couple of things. Folks, I know we've not talked about them yet. We're going to talk about the Patriots. But if you want a full Patriots perspective, this coming Thursday night, McGarvin will be back here on YWC Football Talk as we're going to be talking everything to do with the New England Patriots, trades, free agency. So, Bill Belichick, you have 48 hours to get on your shit 
and make some more magic happen. Look, we got Jabril Peppers re-signed. Like the deal. We're going to get in more in-depth into it in a little bit, so we'll have to wait and see what happens there. And then, next week, I'm looking at guests, but if I can't get any guests, next Wednesday or Thursday... Actually, wait, I realize... Am I busy next Wednesday? Hmm. No, I'm busy next Wednesday. I know I just made plans to do something... Oh, right, no, it's a lunch thing. I have a work lunch. So ignore that. So next Wednesday, next Thursday night, all you New York Giant fans can expect the Daniel Jones Love Fest. The Love Fest should be coming out next week. Will I go live for it? Probably. Why? Because it's giving the people what they want. And then, folks, Wednesday, March 29th, it's a different kind of podcast. The first ever non-football podcast. Why? Because we're talking about a very, very special event happening. I was going to wait and announce this, but you are getting a podcast exclusive not as big as Bobby Gross becoming a father. But on Wednesday, March 29th, I have confirmed to me so far, Matt Lorenzo, Alex Lorenzo, and myself, possibly others, to do the first ever WrestleMania Football Talk podcast. We're going to be talking everything to do with WrestleMania 39, both nights of it, nights one, night two. We're going to go in-depth with all the matches. We're going to talk about it. Plus, we have some stuff to tell you guys that's being kept on the down low for the time being. So for now, folks, you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait two weeks, 22 days to be exact, to hear some of those big announcements that are coming up because there's a lot of exciting things happening with me, which means it's happening with you, the audience, here on Cryer Media or on the podcast platforms wherever you find your podcast or on YouTube because you can see this beautiful face right here on YouTube. So we have stuff to announce. And as well, folks, we'll probably talk about a little NXT stand and deliver. Maybe have some football takes in there as well. That's why the football talk title is saying, but the YWC is leaving for that one night only. We're going to have draft talk. We're going to have other talks. Believe me, there's a lot of faces you have not seen on here in a while that are going to be coming back very, very soon. Because this is the time of year that you love to talk football. I know we're six months out from the regular season, but this is the time of year you love to talk football. So the third time is the charm. We're bringing them back. The football gods do not want you slamming the Cleveland Browns for some reason. The dog pound, pumpkin head, Andy McNamara has his internet by the balls, folks. But we are back. So he is at the mercy of the internet providers right now. Take it away. I am on this show all the time, and I never have any problems in the same exact room that I'm in right now. But because I'm trying to slander the Cleveland Browns, like someone's just trying to get me out of here, I guess. (laughs) Watson? Sucked last year. He was horrible. He graded as well as Zach Wilson did in EPA per play and similarly in a lot of other quarterback metrics. He was a downgrade from Jacoby Brissett, which says a lot coming from me on this show because I spent all of last year trashing Jacoby Brissett. It's why I predicted him to go 3-8 and eight their first 11 games. Um, and in actuality, Jacoby played a little better than I thought he would. Their defense just kind of disappointed. So I will say that Watson could be great. He could be terrible again. It's Maybe the biggest mystery box question of the 2023 NFL season, because most of these other quarterbacks, we have a pretty good idea. Like, sure, there's, yes, like, could Tua, like, take another leap? Maybe, like, can one of the second-year quarterbacks from last year, which I guess is just Kenny Pickett at this point, but maybe Malik Willis, if he starts again, can they play better than they did last year? Maybe, like, but really... Watson is one of the few where he could be terrible. He could be an elite top five quarterback. And there's almost no 
quarterback in the NFL that has that kind of range. Um, now, I do think their Browns are a well-coached team. I do think they have a lot of good players on defense. Um, Ian, they're, you know, they're replacing defensive coordinators now with Joe Woods being gone. So bringing in uh, – who was it they brought in? They brought in a good name. I'm trying to remember. It wasn't Vance Joseph, was it? No. Brown's defensive coordinator. Uh, it yeah, may have been. It may have been Vance Joseph. I know Joe Woods is with the Saints now. Jim Schwartz. That's who it was. Yeah. Yes, Jim in, Schwartz. Jim Schwartz is a really good signing because Jim Schwartz likes to bring the heat. He likes to stack, give a lot of pressure units, put five guys on the line. Sometimes he'll blitz very aggressively. I think that that's how Miles Garrett can have like a 15 sack season. Um, not that he needs anyone's help to do that, but nonetheless, I think Jim Schwartz's play style. The Browns' identity on defense will be a defense that gets sacks. And usually, like Hassan Reddick last year, you can become a star in that role if you're, like, the best sack getter on the team. So I do think that's a good move. But Watson, we just don't know. And part of me does wonder, there have been some rumblings about this, that Watson, he mainly operated in a very out-of-structure play style in Houston with Bill O'Brien. He would – Bill O'Brien would play with a lot of two tight end sets. The Texans always led the league in two tight end set usage, which the Browns do a lot of as well, so that's not too foreign. But what they would do is Watson, when the play design broke down, what, what's the Watson plays everyone loves him for? He would extend the pocket. He would make plays. He would look down the field. Like, he would make those splash plays. But under Stefanski's, you know, play-action, run-oriented, timing-based offense, I don't know if it really lends itself to that sort of creativity. Like, Stefanski wants Watson to execute the offense on time, get to the ball to the right spot, get the ball to the playmakers at the exact bottom of his drop, at the exact depth of their routes. Um, he doesn't really want you to improvise. He wants you to do what his scheme is calling for you to do, whereas Watson wants to improvise, be creative, and make big plays. So I wonder if that philosophical alignment is right or not. Um, because if it's not, no matter what, like I know there's a lot of coaches on the hot seat. I think Kevin Stefanski is one of the very few that you can say with certainty. If the Browns do not make the playoffs and Watson like doesn't play well, he will 100% be fired because much like Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett, you can't get out of Watson. You're stuck with him for another few, three years with guaranteed money. Yeah. And so the only, much like how with Russ, you can't get out of Russ. The only thing you can do is get a new play caller head coach and hope they make it work. Same thing with Watson and Stefanski. If Watson's still not elite, the only hope you have as an organization is get a new get a new offensive coordinator and pray that the new offensive coordinator can handle Deshaun Watson and turn him into a great player again. Um, that's your only recourse left. So I would argue Stefanski is under more pressure than anyone else in football this year. I uh, Stefanski is one of my coaches where I'm looking at for 2022 to 23, where I'm like, you got to do something this year. This is he feels like this year what Cliff Kingsbury felt like going into last year. Which I'm gonna go off course because uh, so people started to say this that Cliff I feel like only got a job because Patrick Mahomes was MVP. I feel like if Patrick Mahomes didn't come out of the scene and burst onto the scene, I don't know if Cliff Kingsbury gets the job with the uh, yeah. Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I mean he got it right after Mahomes' MVP season, and uh, yeah, it predictably like Cliff Kingsbury got fired from Texas Tech. I think people people probably remember that, but I don't know if they do. It's not like he left college to get a job in the NFL. He was straight up fired from Texas Tech and got an offensive coordinator job in college at USC. And he turned it down, not because he got an offensive coordinator job in the NFL, but a head coaching job. It was madness. That's that's the thing. But no, so basically relating the two, I think that Stefanski is Kingsbury for this year where it's you got to do big. You got to go big or go home this year. You got to. 
I don't think a 9-8 and eight season will cut it. I think you have to win at least 10 games for the Cleveland Browns this year, which we'll have to wait and see if they can do because I still think that division will run through Cincinnati, but only time will tell and we'll wait and see. We'll see what Baltimore looks like. We'll see what Pittsburgh looks like. That division is the most intriguing, but the division that everyone's labeling the hardest and I want to pump the brakes on is our division just because, look, the Jets could get Rodgers. You guys could have a perfectly healthy season. I still think the division runs through the 716. I still think it. I know everyone's saying, oh, they're losing player X, they're losing player Y. Um, for those of you who want a true, true look back on, two weeks ago, one of Big Rat's favorite people, Greg Tomset, was on here with us. And Greg and I spoke about it, and he, he had a lot to say. And also, too, follow him if you want perfect cap perspectives, especially, too, because that's the one thing I said for everyone saying that Stephon Diggs is gone. 37 million reasons why Stephon Diggs is not leaving the Buffalo Bills, folks. Um I want to say something quickly, too, about our division. And I know everyone's saying, like, oh, like, right off the Patriots. I'm not ready to do that. I know there was a tweet today by Dan Orlovsky saying bottom five receiver group. But I feel like the media, especially the last two days, have been really overreacting to everything. Like, you had Cynthia Freeland's tweeting, will the will the Bears win the NFC North? Which, no. I think their best case scenario is third place in that division, to be honest with you. You had Dan Orlovsky saying the Patriots are a bottom five offensive group offensive group in the league which i will say this this offensive room right now is still better than 2020 plus i don't think they're done too they're going to add someone in the draft they're probably going to go scoop some up at free agency or a trade deandre hopkins um so i'm just there to say with the patriots they're not done yet and all the pressure is going to come in six months we'll wait and see what happens but for now i'm just going to say that don't run off the patriots but i still think the division does run through the buffalo bills even though everyone's saying miami this new york that I, I'm, I'm not knocking your the two teams. I'm just thinking my, Buffalo this year has that Kansas City vibe of last year where you know it's, oh, is this the year they take a step back? Is this the year they do that? Which I think if you're a Bills fan listening to this, that's what you want. You don't want anyone thinking that pressure's on you. Last year the pressure was on them, and they sort of come to it. Yeah, and they you even had some of the like some of the players. Like if you listen to Josh Allen and Steph Diggs after that playoff loss to the Bengals, they – they even kind of mentioned it a little bit. They're like with the whole DeMar Hamlin thing, like, and the fact that they had been so close the previous two years and they were the favorites for most of the season. They were the favorites in the summer. I think it just like kind of crashed down on them a little bit. Um, like all that weight, all those expectations were really, really hard on them. They were like six point favorites against the Bengals too. I, I picked the Bengals out, right? I'll tap myself on the shoulder for that one. Plus five and a half. Right. And plus five and a half as well. Uh, so yeah, like I think, not being in a pressure situation would be good for them. I would say that they're probably the favorite. I will say my Dolphins, I do think the Dolphins are better than they were last year. Last year they were 9-8. and eight. They were 9-8 and eight even with two of missing four and a half games. So a lot of the analysis drives me crazy. Every time I hear analysis on the Dolphins, it's like, well, you can't pencil them in for a playoff spot or a playoff run because we don't know if two is going to stay healthy. He was not healthy last year. They still made the playoffs. Like, <laughs> he can miss four games and they'll still make the playoffs. Like, I don't get this. And they were really bad in the games that he was out. Like, I'm not saying Mike White is better than Teddy Bridgewater. I'm sure last summer, like when Teddy Bridgewater got signed, I was probably very excited about having him as our backup, not knowing that there's some rumblings in Dolphin circles that Teddy maybe could have played in that playoff game but didn't want to because um, he had a broken pinky on his throwing hand, granted, that when he hurt against your Patriots. But there were some rumblings that some players in the team thought you can take this up and you can go out there and play. And he personally just didn't want to play anymore. Um, we'll see. I mean, he hasn't signed with a team yet. So we'll see 
I, I don't know if he's going to retire, but I, I am curious what role he takes this year when some of the rumblings in Miami were that he didn't really want to risk any more injury at any point. So we'll save that for another day. So, yes, I'm not saying Mike White is better than that, but I'm saying the facts. The Dolphins were 1-5 and five in games that Tua didn't play the majority of the snaps in, the only win being the Week 17, the Week 18 game against the Jets, but they won 9-6. to six. So Had the under. And so I, I'm not saying Mike White is better than those guys, but I'm saying they went one and five. So sure, I guess they can go zero and six, but they could also go two and four. They could win more games that Tua is missing with Mike White than those other guys, just because the floor was already so low. So Mike White is either going to be the same as those quarterbacks were when Tua didn't play, or he'll be a little bit better. I think that that's the likely interpretation there. So yes, like. I do think the Dolphins are a better team than they were last year. I do think they can win 10 games. I do think they can win a playoff game this year. They can have the season that the Jaguars or the Giants had last year. Those are probably the two best comparisons. A team that one team won its division, the other team did not win its division, but still went 9-7-1 and and won a playoff game. So I definitely think that's possible. But I'll, I'll, I'll be fair. Buffalo's proven it. Buffalo has the veteran experience. They've already shown they can win while paying Josh Allen big money on his contract. They've been doing that the last two years. So it's on, like the Eagles have not yet proven that if you give Jalen Hurts $50 million and you start losing a lot of players, like they lost a lot of players on defense so far in free agency, and they'll lose some offensive linemen too in the years to come, they have not yet proven that they can win with Jalen Hurts making that money. The Dolphins have not proven that. Two makes nothing right now. But the Bills have proven they can win with Josh Allen on a big contract. So I do think they should be trusted. They should be the favorites. Do I think it's possible the Dolphins can jump them? Of course. They went one and two against them in three games. And the overall point differential in all three games was Bills by one. They lost by two and won by three twice. Like that was the overall like differential. Like, um, so yeah, so I'm not, I'm not like, uh, I'm not like too, too worried um, about them. I definitely think the Dolphins can, can at least split with them again. Um, and I, there are reasons to think the Bills might take a step back, but let's let's see where Jordan Poyer goes. I think that's going to be a really do- key domino that has not fallen yet. There's rumors that the Dolphins are going to get Jordan Poyer, and if they do, that not only helps the Dolphins a lot, but it hurts the Bills a lot too. Now, if Jordan Poyer puts something on his Instagram after a long two days, I've decided to come back to Buffalo or something, I don't know, like a significantly reduced deal, then then Buffalo is even stronger than they are now as we talk about them right now. Uh, so we'll see how the summer goes. And as I scroll Twitter as you're talking, I just noticed that Stephon Diggs restructured his contract, which gives the Bills another $5 million in cap room. So it wouldn't shock me to see if Poyer goes back. But at the same time, too, I wouldn't be shocked to see Miami just because um, there's this little thing called no state income tax. And I know he's bitched about that's the thing, too. He bitched about the weather, state income tax. So we'll, 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 we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And the, the last thing I want to say on the, on the Dolphins versus the Bills in that point, the Dolphins have. The, the Dolphins, I genuinely believe, have no holes on defense right now. Obviously, reality is going to catch up to them during the season. There'll be injuries. Obviously, some guys will underperform. I get that. I'm saying on paper, on defense, I don't see any holes once they added David Long and Jalen Ramsey. If they get Jordan Poyer, the D-line was already stacked with a bunch of guys playing better last year. And they got Vic Fangio. So, on paper, I see no holes. On offense, their offense was elite last year, statistically. I don't – like, no one wants to admit it. They had the number four offensive DVOA in the NFL. They had the number three yards per play in the entire NFL, only behind the Chiefs and Bills. The third best yards per play on offense in all of football was the Miami Dolphins, with with Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater playing four and a half games. So, yeah, like this is an elite, really good offense that no one wants to admit it, but it is. But I will admit, 
until the Dolphins fix their right tackle, there's limitations on how confident any fan can be because Tua broke his ribs in the 2021 season against the Bills because A.J. Epinesa came off the right side, sacked him because our right tackle got beat. Last year, they wanted to move Austin Austin Jackson to right tackle after he was a first-round pick at left tackle, and he got hurt and didn't play the entire season. And they were starting Brandon Shell for most of the year, who was kind of a jag. So as until they fix the right tackle spot, because Tua is left-handed, so that's his blind side, there will always be a fear that a bad right tackle could knock Tua out for the season. And that fear will always exist. So until that right tackle spot is addressed, I cannot in good conscience put them above the Bills. Uh, you know what? What happened? Uh-oh. Nothing. Nothing happened. You got to come here for blunt honesty, and you know what? Sometimes football fans have to accept brutal, not brutal honesty, but just the, just just the truth, just just being honest. It's like me saying with the Patriots, yeah. Do I am I here to say they're gonna run away with it? No. All I ask for is a competitive football team, and I'll be honest with you, I prefer a team where every season is compet, every game is competitive as compared to just waiting for December and January to come around. Um. You know how earlier we were saying everything about like how Daniel Jones is Darren, Darren Waller and all this other stuff where it's like there? My big question for you, and I, this is a hypothetical, but it could come up sooner than later considering he's 33. Do you think Patrick Mahomes will be the same, or do you think he could potentially regress once Travis Kelsey retires? Uh, you know, I think losing – I don't want to doubt Mahomes. Obviously, no one does. Yeah. But I do think – I do think Kelsey, and I'm starting kind of to, because like now that I have Tyreek Hill in the Dolphins, I'm starting to learn about Tyreek Hill, what makes him tick, what doesn't make him tick, how you can cover him, how you cannot cover him. Like, I do think one can argue that Kelsey was the more important player of the two to keep, um, just because you can't really play if you play man if you try to man up with Kelsey and line him up with a safety or a line. You're gonna get cooked. You're gonna smoke him every time, and if you play zone. Maybe the most underrated part about Kelsey's game is he's very cerebral and he's very good at finding the soft spot in the zone. So that's why, like, so often in Chiefs games, they'll be playing strict zone defense, afraid of the big plays, afraid of Mahomes taking over the top of you with MBS or whatever. And Kelsey's just sitting right at the first down mark in the middle of the field, adjusting his body to avoid a hit. He's he's a matchup nightmare. It's the same reason why Gronk was a nightmare to deal with. So I, I do think losing him will be significant. I think people will make the mistake of thinking, oh, they lost Tyree Kill and they won a Super Bowl, so they can lose Kelsey too and they'll be fine. No, I disagree with that. They will have to find something to replace him. Um, but, you know, don't don't bet against Malcolm Reed, I think is the lesson of the 2022 season ultimately. Yeah, because who was here all last summer saying, uh, why is no one talking about Kansas City when everyone was saying yeah. Buffalo? That was me. That was me. Um, so I want to shift gears to a different sport for a second because I'm going to be honest with you. I know you're a big U guy. I'm not as big of a college ball guy as I am football when it comes to March Madness. I did fill out a back bracket. More specifically, the Greg Thompson Sports Show Cover 1 bracket challenge I'm a part of. Um, I was going to ask you, how far do you see Miami going in this tournament? Because it was Elite 8. Was it Sweet 16 last year or was it Elite 8? Elite 8. It was Elite 8. They were a 10 seed and they made the Elite 8. And they, they had a six-point lead on Kansas who won the whole thing in the elite eight game. And then Kansas just went like on this ridiculous run in the, in the second half and, and blew them out. Uh, it is sad because Norchad Omier uh, might not play in this game. He rolled his ankle like in the second minute 
of their ACC semifinal game against Duke, a game they almost won without him. For those that don't know, uh, the Miami Hurricanes are not a very big team, and a lot of their best players are 6'5 and under. And Omier was their – he was the – Omier was their only, like, reliable big that they could trust to play heavy minutes. Now, whenever he got in foul trouble, it was concerning, but still, he's he's not even, like – that, he's like six eight or six seven. He's not even like a true seven footer, but he can, he played big. He can get boards. He could, he was really important for their defense. He was really the only reliable big they had. All the bigs after him on the depth chart can't really play. They can't defend and they can't shoot. So there's no guarantee that he'll play in this game. And if he doesn't play in this game, they are very liable to get upset in the very first round against Drake. Obviously, that hurts me. It breaks my heart. Although um, I do attend the University of Miami now, and. Uh, we're doing a bracket challenge with them as well. And I am having Drake win that game just because I think it's good game theory because all my classmates are going to have UM winning that game. They're probably going to have UM winning a few games. So if I have Drake winning the first round, I get leverage on the field because uh, very few of my classmates are going to do that. So I do think game theory wise, it makes sense for me to do that. Um, but this Drake team, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend I've watched them all year. I have not at all, but I did some research on them. Some of the people at Action Network that are betting experts that I like, they said the thing with Drake is that they're the oldest team in all of college basketball. They're the most experienced team in all of college basketball. And they have one guy on their team that was playing in 2017. That was six years ago, and he's still in college basketball. So, because you, you all know how it is with red shirts and now the COVID year, you get like these weird six-year seniors. But this was a six-year senior who was like actually playing as a true freshman. So, yeah, they're, I, I am very, very concerned uh, that if Omir if Omir doesn't play this game, I think they very well can lose in the first round. If Omir plays and he's all of a sudden healthy, which is a big if, then yeah, they can get to the Sweet 16 again. We'll see about the Elite Eight. Depends on the draw. Last year in the Elite Eight, they got a very, very lucky draw in that they played a team that was actually seated lower than them. They were the 10 seed playing the 11 seed in the Sweet 16 last year. There's no guarantee that happens again. So, like, I think... Uh, penciling that in, even though this team is objectively better than last year's team was, their path in the tourney might be harder. Um, so it's it does create some hesitation a little bit. So yeah, we'll see. Omir's health status will determine the results of that game. If he doesn't play, I very well think they can lose. If he plays, they can make the sweet To be honest with you, I um, I remember that game last year because uh, I think it was minus three and a half. I just remember I bet Miami over uh, Iowa State. I remember I was on a cold streak and I was like, then's the day Miami carried me to a promised light of money uh i'll probably i'll probably gamble on it a little bit just because like i don't know but for me for a lot of this year with college football like college basketball it's like throwing i'm throwing blindly throwing darts at a dartboard and expecting the bullseye so i'm not expert analysis i'm just out here being like oh like let's let's see let's wait and see what happens like in my bracket i'll be honest with you i put bama to win just because i'm like you know what i think it'd be cool I also, in one side of my bracket, my one final four was actually Bama versus K-State, and I had Bama winning again, which would be funny for the folks out there, and you're asking why? Because Bama whooped Kansas State in the Sugar Bowl just two months ago. That'd be a full circle moment. <laughs> Both Bama teams knocking out Kansas State teams. It'd be something to see. But anyway, guys, I think I think that's going to wrap it up. Uh, it's another great conversation with Big Rat. Like I told you, uh, I've told them this off air. I'm going to tell the folks this now. Sometime between now and the draft, we'll have to get Big Rat back here with Greg Thompson. Because I know Greg wants to have a chat with the three of us. It'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, also, I'm going to say this quickly, too, on episode number 221 of YWC Football Talk. 
Shout out to Randy because he will love the stats. He always loves the stats. I'll see you guys Thursday, though. Peace. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. We all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.